and a very good evening to you wherever you happen to be on God's green earth. Welcome to the Richie Allen Show for Tuesday, December 21st, winter solstice 2021. Hope all is well in your world in spite of everything. I think I have a decent show lined up for you today. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, the man himself. I'm really excited, I genuinely am, about welcoming Joe Radley and Peter Ebden to the programme in the second hour. Now, you've heard Peter on the programme in the past. You know he's a former world champion sportsman. Former Crucible winner is Peter. But you know that he's also a healer and a very experienced one. Well, Peter and Joe set up Quantum Energy Healing. That's quantum-energy-healing.co.uk. We're going to talk about that, about distance healing and more. It's going to be fascinating. I'll be taking some of your questions as well and putting them to Peter and Joe in the second hour. I can't wait for that. So thanks to them for coming on. That's a little bit later on. In the meantime, I've got a few things to tell you about. Things are getting interesting. Maybe that's a cliche. I don't know, but things are interesting. And we're going to dissect and analyse the latest nonsense from the government and its scientific advisors. We'll try and smile while we do it, you and I. We'll try and giggle our way through this hour. So help us God. So help us God. As usual, if you'd like to contribute anything to the programme, go to richieallen.co.uk, the website of your BBG. And while you are there, think about maybe leaving a comment. You can do it. Comment live on the menu bar. Leave me a comment and I will. And I've been getting much better at doing it. Read them out as I go along. While I'm just booting things up here, because for some reason, my system... That is my my news, my, my own website decided to just drop off the screen. Let me remind you that Christmas morning, that is Saturday morning, December 25th, this coming Saturday, I'll be with you for two hours between 10 and midday for Christmas morning melodies. Something which gave me great joy last year and I'm in no doubt it'll give me great joy this year as well so join me if you can if you can't don't worry about it what I will do is I will leave it repeat after it finishes on Christmas day well maybe for about 24 hours or something along those lines you with me you get me you do goody goodo goodo let's have a few headlines rail services now if you are planning to travel to see a loved one loved ones or have an illicit affair with someone you shouldn't be seeing, well, this might apply to you. Rail services across the country are being cancelled at the rate of knots, and you might need to know that. They're blaming staff falling ill with COVID. That is what they are blaming. So, Avanti West Coast, cross-country, that's two different. Avanti West Coast, cross-country, LNER, ScotRail and West Midlands Railway are reporting cancellations. Okay, they're saying that staff are getting ill from COVID. I don't believe it. Maybe the jabs 
are causing them to become ill. Maybe. I can't say that with any authority because I'm not a doctor. I'm also not a virologist or an epidemiologist, but I am suspicious. They're saying that 90,000 people tested positive for COVID yesterday. When will the dickheads stop taking the tests? Just stop taking the tests. There's nothing wrong with you, madam. Madam, you're in the pink. You are full of piss and vinegar. You're not coughing. You're not sneezing. What are you taking the tests for? Well, uh, I'm, I'm off to a party and, and the government told me I'd stop taking the tests, you daft bint. Stop it now. And there endeth the pandemic or the scamdemic. It gets worse than the railways. Operations might need to be cancelled in the new year. Who said that? Well, Bart's, not, that's Bart as in Bart Simpson, Bart's Health NHS Trust. It's one of the largest in England and it runs five hospitals in London and slightly to the east of London. So the BBC is claiming it has seen an email where Bart's Health NHS Trust has told consultants some or much of their planned operations would be cancelled. Nice of them to tell the consultants. I wonder, are they as quick to tell the poor gobsheens, the poor Egypts, waiting for much-needed operations again? A Bart's spokesman said, well, uh, currently things are running as normal, but we've got rising staff absences. The staff are going down with the COVID. This is a lie. It's a lie. A lot of very healthy staff, nout wrong with them, nout wrong with them, not even a headache, are taking these godforsaken stupid tests. They're delighted because they get a few days off, you see. They're not all delighted, I shouldn't say that, but many of them are. And it's making a unfit-for-purpose health service even worse. And they're blaming it on COVID. This is a lie. Because, as I said, and I've got to keep repeating it, they're taking the LFTs, the lateral flow tests, and they are perfectly healthy. Morons. Dirty anti-vaxxers, they're blaming it on. The dirty anti-vaxxers. It's all your fault, you dirty anti-vaxxer. You don't care about anyone else, only yourself. I hope Santa is aware of who all the anti-vaxxers are as he cavorts around the world on Christmas Eve. Not going down there, that fecker didn't have his jab and he killed his granny. He's not getting his presents this year. It gets worse. It doesn't get worse, but it's worse. Hogmanay has been cancelled by Jimmy Cranky, otherwise known as Nicola Sturgeon. She is Scotland's first minister. We can hear her very briefly. I know how annoying she is. But we've got to hear a bit of it. This is the news roundup after all. Let me stress, we are not changing the advice for Christmas that I set out last week. It is important that with just a few days to go, there is certainty about family gatherings on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. I am not asking anyone to change these. Well, you couldn't because, because you just couldn't. People can have as many people around their houses as they want. Nothing you can do about it. However, and I can't stress this enough, please do follow advice to keep family celebrations as safe as possible. From the 26th of December, inclusive of that date, for a period of up to three weeks, we intend to place limits on the size of live public events that can take place. This does not apply, let me stress, to private life events such as weddings. 
For indoor standing events, the limit will be 100. For indoor seated events, it will be 200. And for outdoor events, at 500 seated or standing. Physical distancing of one metre will be required at events that go ahead within these limits. This will, of course, make sports matches, including football, effectively spectator-free over this three-week period, a situation similar to that in Wales from Boxing Day. Yeah, no football fans at football games after Boxing Day. Wow. And it will also mean, unfortunately, that large-scale Hogmanay celebrations, including that planned here in our capital city, will not proceed. I can confirm that a requirement for table service only will be reintroduced for venues serving alcohol for consumption on the premises. Yeah, no, no standing at the bar anymore. Jimmy Cranky, eh? Jimmy Cranky. Do you know, I, I'm not ashamed to admit this. I'm a big man. I, I think I should share, you know, sometimes share with you. Maybe it might, uh, I don't know, it might inspire somebody else to take action. But I used to suffer with premature ejaculation back in the day. Now, Caroline nearly left me over this. She almost ran into the arms of another man. But she's clever. The French are clever. So when we're having sex these days, Caroline palms a Polaroid of Nicola Sturgeon. So when I get a little bit too close... She shows it to me, and down by, down by, you get the picture. It's very good. It's, it's something we are thinking about patenting, if we can. Let's talk about Tedros Gebreyesus. Tedros Gebreyesus Jesus, The Grinch himself. Cancel Christmas, says Tedros. Cancel it to protect each other. Cancel it, he says. All of us are sick of this pandemic. All of us want to spend time with friends and family. All of us want to get back to normal. The fastest way to do this is for all of us, leaders and individuals, to make the difficult decisions that must be made to protect ourselves and others. In some cases, that will mean cancelling or delaying events. Just as we have had to cancel the reception we plan to have with you today. But an event cancelled is better than a life cancelled. An event cancelled is better than a life cancelled now. It's better to cancel now and celebrate later than to celebrate now and grieve later. Cancel now, celebrate later, don't celebrate now and grieve Later. That reminded me of something that Jeremy Vine, BBC radio presenter, said last Christmas, December 2020. We've heard this shite before. We've heard this shite before altogether now. What is the point of seeing Granny on Christmas Day if you end up burying her in the new year? Yes. I'm sorry for the bluntness of that thought. <laughs> I'm sorry for the bluntness of that thought. What is the point? Say it again, Jeremy. What is the point of seeing Granny on Christmas Day if you end up burying her in the new year? I'm sorry for the bluntness of that thought. What a philosopher he is. What a philosopher. If Nietzsche... Is it Nietzsche or Nietzsche? I could never figure that out. If Nietzsche was alive, he'd be shitting himself. Such wisdom from Jeremy Vine. This made me laugh this morning. Dr. Margaret Harris... Do you remember Dr. Margaret Harris? She is the World Health Organization spokeswoman. 
She's also as mad as a box of frogs. She is as mad as a litter of golden retrievers in a bouncy castle. She is stone mad. Remember her last year? The World Health Organization doctor and spokeswoman. She said, didn't she, that we had to learn a new dance craze. This, again, is in December 2020. Not that one. Oh, God, yeah, the COVID dance, she said. We have to learn a new dance. The COVID dance. I don't know what I did with that clip. I lost it. It's ruined my gag. My lack of preparation. I had plenty of lead-in time as well. What did I do with that bloody gag? I'm going to find it now. Just out of absolute childishness. <laughs> no, I don't know what I did with it. We've got to learn a new dance, she said. The coronavirus dance. Yeah. Oh, well. We'll just leave that one. As I said, you know, that's the level. I've said it many times before. Why did I bring up Dr. Margaret Harris, the mad woman? Well, she was on with Kay Burley this morning. Talking to Kay, she was. And uh, hilarity ensued, as it often does. Margaret doubled down on what Tedros Ghebreyesus said, the Director General of The Who. She doubled down on what he said, and Kay was very interested in it. And that's the point he was making. If you have gatherings that are not going to be safe, uh, change them, delay them, do them later, don't do them now. What constitutes them not being safe? Well, if you've got a large number of people or a considerable number of people, especially people coming from different places, uh, you don't know what their exposure has been. People coming together in that sort of circumstance, what we call social mixing, that's the moment at which you're most likely to spread uh, COVID and particularly Omicron. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, okay, so let's let's see what that would mean for Christmas lunch then, should we? I mean, I often have... 20 people round my Christmas um, table. Emergency Bullshit. Emergency chairs out the shed and the like. Emergency chairs out of the shed. Go on, Kay, this is good. 20 people round my Christmas um, table. Emergency chairs out the shed and the like. Is that a bad idea this year? <laughs> so, again, it's who you're bringing. Um, who you're bringing. Uh, what is their status? What is their status? How have they done in life? Are they degreed? Are, have they got doctorates? I don't know. Do they own a house in the country? No, no, she means their vaccine status. Have they all been vaccinated? Ah, have they been vaccinated? Um, do you know, uh, are you taking other uh, measures? Are you opening your windows, ventilating your room? Um, can you space things? Have they worn masks? So there are lots of things that you need to do. Big checklist that for your 20 dinner party guests for Christmas Day. Big checklist. Have you been wearing your mask every day, every time you've gone out in public? No? Well, look, we'll, we'll talk again next year. How about that? All right. Bit mad, isn't it? Eventually, people will have bouncers. They'll have bouncers in their drive. Bouncers. And those security ones that make the funny noises when they wave them around your body at airports. They'll have those, and they'll have those actually redesigned to discover COVID. You know those stupid ones they wave? That thing that they wave all over your body and they stick in between women's tits and all sorts at airports. Eventually they'll have bouncers to to to, to, to be absolutely safe when you, when you host, when you have a shindig in your house. This this is crazy stuff, this. And nobody is laughing, except me and you. And take into account when you put your party together. Go on. What about lots of little ones running around? Because, of course, they won't have been vaccinated. Oh, Jesus, Kay. 
Indeed. And again, one of the things you need to look at is um, not so much whether they've been vaccinated, but who's coming that is in the vulnerable group. Like, uh, Right. So don't worry about having lots of little ones running around. Let them run around. But if you are going to have little ones running around, do factor that in when you are inviting your guests. Maybe don't invite the vulnerable guests, maybe, if the kiddies are running around. Like an older person or a person who's got underlying conditions and have they been vaccinated? Because the vaccines are really... Garbage. ...really protecting this group from getting into hospital and from sadly dying. So that's what Dr Tedros was saying is... Dr Tedros. Please don't put people who are most likely... Did you see the state of Dr Tedros Ghebreyesus? If he's a doctor, I'm an astronaut. If he's a doctor, I'm a gymnast. Dreadful. ...to suffer from um, the severe form at risk. Ah, shut up. What, 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 what did they say next? But of course, you can still um, contract Omicron, even if you've had your booster. Yes. Indeed, it is. It, Omicron is very good at spreading. So the, the problem is uh, people are, are getting confused between the severe version and the actual just the, the, the virus getting into your body. Ah, we're getting confused between the severe version and the actual virus getting into your body. That's it. She's nailed it. That's what's been bugging me for ages. The difference between the severe version and the virus that just gets into your body. This woman is a mad woman. And she represents the World Health Organization, which is a terrorist organization. I'll tell you more about that later. Now, the vaccines are really pre- designed to keep you out of hospital. Pre- right. Protect from the severe version, protect the hospitals from filling up, and of course, protect us from all dying. She, she's laughing there because she's lying. Liars often do that, they laugh. They laugh because the enormity of the lie passing through the lips and out of the vocal cords is not lost on this crazy bitch. It's not lost on her that what she is saying is not only a lie, but it is so preposterous, nobody should believe this. That's why she's laughing because she's getting away with it. Uh, but they're not so good at stopping it from getting into your nose and staying there for a little while. What? The vaccines are not good at stopping the virus getting into your nose and staying there for a little while? Good at stopping it from getting into your nose and staying there for a little while. Long enough for you to breathe on somebody else. Stopping it from getting into your nose and staying there for a little while, long enough for you to breathe on somebody else and pass it to them. Yeah, long enough. The vaccines are not good enough to stop the virus getting into your nose and staying there for a little while, long enough for you to go and breathe it on somebody. Jesus, what a virus this is, huh? Huh? Huh, I said, huh? If I was Kay, I would have said to Margaret Harris, Margaret, stay where you are for a minute, will you? Don't go anywhere. I'd have gone out the back of the studio and I would have found a baseball bat and I would have broken it off the back of Margaret Harris's head. Are you out of your mind? Don't come on my programme telling such lies, you sicko. Anyhow, what else happened? Uh, Minimise travel. Um where is one suggestion, step two, that the Prime Minister might introduce um, as early as the 27th of December, fining people if they travel. What's the World Health Organization's view on travel? I wonder what. 
Well, it's the same thing. You've got to know the vaccine status of the people you're travelling with. So again, we ask people to take all precautions. So travelling is a moment where you're very likely to be mixing with a lot of different people from different places whose vaccination status you don't know. And you're likely to be in a position where you're in, in a crowded, poorly ventilated spot. So your risk does, does go up a lot. So- there is no fucking risk, you batty cow! There's no risk, you mad woman. Hey, listen, we have to hear that again. We have to hear this again. This is the best thing I've heard all week. All week, dear listener. Uh, But they're not so good at stopping it from getting into your nose and staying there for a little while, long enough for you to breathe on somebody else and pass it to them. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live from BBG Towers with the BBG. I never had premature ejaculation, by the way. Don't start spreading that rumour around. Marvellous. Chris Rea driving home for Christmas, always one of my personal favourite Christmas tunes. I've resisted the, the temptation this week and last week to play too many of them because I know they wind a lot of people up. I'll play another one maybe later, maybe not, and I will uh, play a few on Thursday when you and I are going to have a good old chinwag for a couple of hours. That is this coming Thursday. Before that, tomorrow night, Wednesday, the Freds, Richard and Fred uh, Fairbrass will be on the programme. The legendary right said Fred uh, returning to the programme. That's going to be great fun because the lads are an absolute breath of fresh air. Gentlemen, and they're funny, and uh, they're they're humble guys. They're great guys. We'll have a good uh, hour with them tomorrow. This evening, in the second hour, Peter Ebden and Joe Radley will be with me. Fascinating stuff. We're going to be talking about. Go to quantum hyphen energy hyphen he. Say it again, Baldy. Quantum hyphen energy hyphen healing dot co dot uk. We're going to talk distance, energy, healing and much more with uh, two great people. I'm looking forward to that. It's a nice change of pace from all of this silliness. Now, Nick Ferrari is a radio presenter for LBC Radio based in Leicester Square in London. This morning, he received a call from listener Russ. Now, Russ isn't jabbed. And that's why he came on to say he's not jabbed. He's not going to have the jabs. But he also said some interesting things that I am glad I caught. I'm glad I was awake. Otherwise, I would have missed what Ross had to say. How intriguing. I hear you cry. Let's hear a little bit of Ferrari and Ross, who's not had the jag or the jab. I haven't had any jabs at all. I was in hospital for the three months in the lead up to... The, the, the virus coming out in 2020, early 2020. Mm. So I was in hospital from October until January the 5th. Mm. They was closing walls down. I was still in hospital. Um, but as far as I'm aware, I have not contracted it. I haven't actually done any tests to, test to see if I have done it either. So this would have been January of 2020? Is that right? Yeah. That, yeah that we weren't really was... alive to it until February or March of 2020 is in reality. Yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is I was in hospital from October till January. Right. They were closing okay. walls um, yeah. because of whatever, whatever. I'm not sure if it was an internal thing what, or whether it was the virus. Ha- having had such a lengthy stay in hospital, 
Why wouldn't yeah. you do everything you could to prevent having to go back to hospital? Uh, it was a totally unrelated thing. No, but you realise if you catch COVID, you could be hospitalised. Yeah, I do realise that. So I why would been. you not have the jab, is what I'm driving at? Because the chances of him being hospitalised, Nick, are astronomical, man. It is a mild, if it exists, I don't say that it doesn't, by the way, but if it does, it is a mild infection for the great majority of people. So he'll take his chances with his immune system, is what he is saying. Because I haven't needed to. I'm still here, healthy and fit. But that's like saying... I don't need to wear a seatbelt because I haven't crashed into the truck in front of me. No, it isn't, you daft... Oh, God. In front of me. Yeah, and but I've we... heard that argument and it's a bit... futile, really, isn't it? Why? About, about... Why? Well, what? <laughs> how do you know... Sorry, what? how are you possessed of such wisdom you know you won't catch COVID? He's not saying that. He isn't saying he won't catch it. He's saying it's been around for two years. He hasn't had it. And he thinks if he does get it, well, he'll probably get over it. I'm not saying I won't, but after two years being a type 1 vulnerable diabetic that hasn't had any issues at all with it, I don't see why I would get a jab to do anything. Good man. Well done, Russ. I concur. Did you catch the very beginning of that bit of audio there? Did you hear what Russ said about his lengthy hospital stay? From October last year to January... No, 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 say it again, Richie. From October 2019 to January 2020. Because I think there's a... There, this is a potential bombshell comment. Potential. Don't get too excited. Let's hear what he said. So I was in hospital from October until January 5th. Hmm. They was closing walls down. I was still in hospital. What? You went to hospital in October 2019. You left on January 5th. And they were closing down hospital wards. So I was in hospital from October until January 5th. Hmm. They was closing walls down. I was still in hospital. Yeah, and he went on to repeat it. Hmm. They was closing walls down. I was still in hospital. Um, But as far as I'm aware, I have not contracted it. I haven't actually done any tests to see if I have done it either. So this would have been January of 2020, is that right? Yeah. yeah, We weren't really alive to it until February or March of 2020 is in reality. Yeah, what I'm saying is I was in hospital from October till January. They were closing wards um, because of... They were closing wards. I wonder, did Nick Ferrari, who's a very experienced presenter, even if you think he's a bit of a dick, he is a bit of a dick, but he's been around the block. And presenters who've been around the block for a long time, they generally tend to be fairly reasonably good listeners. Now, Ferrari made a very interesting point there. It was February and March before we started hearing about COVID. Why didn't Ferrari think, Jeepers, this guy said he left hospital on January 5th, 2020. But while he was there, they were closing wards down. Hmm. That's very, very interesting. Like I said, it might be bombshell, it might be nothing. Now, if you go online, you'll be told the same whether you go on the NHS website, whether you go on Wikipedia, God forbid, but they'll tell you that COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 was identified in Wuhan, China, in December of 2019. The World Health Organization declared a health emergency of international concern 
on January 30th. A pandemic was declared on the 11th of March 2020. And yet Russ says he spent uh, quite a few weeks, October, let's say late October, November, all of December, God love him. So maybe, maybe as many as 12 weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. And he left on January 5th. But before he left, they were already closing down wards. Is it just me or is that worth investigating? Why didn't Nick Ferrari ask him? Why didn't he go back? Hang on there, Russ. When did you notice these ward closures exactly? Was it in December, was it? Was it what was going on? Did, did you ask anybody what was going on? Did they tell you? But he didn't. Maybe Ferrari did note, note what Russ had said and thought better of asking him because his bosses mightn't have been happy if he had. But I find it interesting because you will know, of course, dear listener, that the John, Johns Hopkins Centre for Health Security, well, they hosted a pandemic exercise called Event 201, didn't they, in October of 2019 when poor Russ was in hospital. It was uh, organised in conjunction with the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, and of course Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They maintained to this day it was an exercise. What a coincidence that we were wargaming a pandemic and weeks later we were declaring a pandemic. But I wonder, is what Russ said worth exploring? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I mean, no, it makes no, makes no odds. Me saying it, because he's not going to speak to me, and they're not going to give me any answers anyway. Shall we move on or shall I read some comments? I shall read some comments. That is what I will do because that is what I promised I would do at the top of the programme. If I can get into the comments because the old website is very busy at the moment. Craig says a friend of mine had a far more than usual serious respiratory infection in December 2019. Yeah, I did as well. Uh, I began to become very ill just around my birthday, which is uh, it's pretty much well known, New Year's Eve uh, 2019. So I did as well and I was very concerned. It was very serious. So yeah, absolutely. Maybe. Martin says maybe they were redecorating the wards. Maybe, Martin. You've got to admit that there are many possibilities, but it's certainly worth looking into, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, science is for sale, says, uh, I'm not going to read, it's too long that, you've got to give me kind of snappier comments, I can't get into that. Sue says, Nick Ferrari is a fat bastard, and he will probably end up in hospital. Did you see Tony Blair is advocating for governments preparing for the fourth jab? He is indeed. Uh, the CEO of Pfizer is saying Omicron will need three jabs on its own says Sue. I'll go back to science's comment lest I be accused of not reading people's comments. But I, I don't I can't make any sense of this. The comment goes, study this well. Euthanasia will have to be an essential instrument of our future societies in all cases. We cannot of course execute people or set up camps. We will get rid of them by making them believe it is for their own good. We will have taken care to have planned the treatment, a treatment that will be the solution. The selection of idiots will thus be done on its own. They will go to the slaughterhouse on their own. Jacques Attali could easily have been said by Fred or Bill Gates or J.D. Rockefeller or J.P. Morgan Chase. But it wasn't said by Bill Gates or Rockefeller or J.P. Morgan Chase. So I've read the comment, but I don't understand it. But thank you for the comment.
Patrick says, yes, the effing NHS knew about it in advance. They were planning their response at senior level, says Patrick. Patrick, you might very well be right, but we don't know, do we? Wayne says, COVID has been around for thousands of years. It's the flu, stupid. Might be, Wayne, might be. Lucy hates the seatbelt analogy. You're right to hate it, Lucy. It is specious reasoning. It is ridiculous. It doesn't mean a damn thing. Hi to Chris Morell, who said he's had a dismaying conversation with a workmate, another one taking the jabs, because she's got to go on holiday. Very interesting. Spoke about this last night with uh, none other than Stacey Rudin. What a terrific guest Stacey Rudin is and was. Talked about that, and she believes, as do I, that nobody is really scared of getting COVID. I don't think deep down that even the most... I don't know, even the most ardent reader of the newspapers and the, the most ardent follower of the politicians, I think by now they don't believe that there is an imminent threat from a virus. I believe that Lucy is right and I believe that Chris is right. They're taking the jabs now because they want to do things. It's coercion. William says a good friend of mine told me that a close friend of Nicola Sturgeon's said to him that wee Jimmy likes to dress up in rubbers and sniff coke off her husband's naked body. Thought I would share that mind-burning image with you. I'm starting to like Jimmy Cranky, if that turns out to be true. Maybe she's got something going for her, maybe. I don't know. I'm going to move on because it's 23 minutes to the top of the hour. It's Tuesday's programme with your BBG. Let's talk about Joe. Adrian Childs, BBC Radio 5 presenter. He was on this morning. Joe phoned in from Coventry. Wonder why he was sent there. Boom, boom. Let's have a listen to Joe from Coventry talking to the BBC's Adrian Childs. It's good. OK, so let's just, uh, before we go to Sarah in Gloucester, uh, Joe from Coventry, it sounds like you're, you're not generally playing ball, um, Joe. What's, what are your thoughts? Morning, Adrian. How are you doing? Oh, yeah, good enough. Go on. What's, uh, what's your plans for Christmas? Uh, I'm going to do pretty much what I did last Christmas and the Christmas before that and not pay any attention to any of it and just carry on and live my life as normal. Okay, okay but what is that? What, what, what is normal? So so what, what will you do on... But let's stick with Christmas Day. What are you going to do Christmas Day? I'm going to have my family round. Um, and how many, of, how many of you will there be? Well, there's not a great deal of us, um, but, you know, we're going to uh, just carry on as normal, basically, because... Um, okay. Yeah, and I've got different views on it all, Adrian. Okay. All right. Don't, don't, we'll get to that in a minute. I just want to establish where we are with that. So, have you, have you, have you been vaccinated? Nope. Yes. You've had no vaccinations, and the rest of your family had any vaccinations? Nope. Yes. Um, so, will they be taking any tests on? Uh, no. The hat trick. No. Not right. at all. Okay. There's somebody cackling in the background. Pay attention. That's Barbara cackling in the background. Uh, no. No. Not right. at all. Okay. Uh, 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 could be Bill Gates in the background. Um, I've, got a, um, I've got a theory on this. If the government starts charging everybody, let's say £8,100 for a test, this will stop within two weeks, I guarantee you. Guarantee you it'll stop within two weeks. What will stop? Because well, well, people won't go for the test, so obviously it'll stop. Yeah, no, no. But what? That's what he said, Adrian Childs. You dump cop, you dump cop, 
That's what he said. If they start charging for these lateral flow tests, people won't get them, and the scamdemic will disappear. What I'm saying is, like, this, this new, this new flavour that's come out, right? Flavour. I love that. Flavour. How does the test differentiate between the old flavour and the new flavour that's just come out two weeks ago? Fantastic. How does the test that you've been using for two years, how does it differentiate between Delta and Omicron or, or, or the Kent? No, the Kent variant is the Delta variant. No, it isn't, is it? The Delta variant is the Indian variant. The Kent variant. Right, I'm getting confused. It's a very good question. How does your test differentiate between them? Good question. Ma on cash. Well, you just hang on. Well, I mean, um, uh, Paul Moss. Let's. He brings in a guy called Paul Moss. He's an epidemiologist, don't you know? I mean, don't, don't get into the wider sort of morality here. Not that you would, but I mean, what the, the, the test is no more or less uh, sensitive to the new variant than the than the last one was it? What sort of question is that? He 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 didn't say that, Joe. Adrian Childs, you absolute dickhead, he didn't say that. He wants to know how the test can make a distinction between Delta, Kent, whatever, the original COVID strain, whatever, and now Omicron. That's what he wants to know. The, the test is no more or less uh, sensitive to the new variant than the, than the last one, was it? No, no, that's absolutely right. No, 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 it's absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, he says, I oh, says it's the end of that then. Well, Paul Moss says, no, no, that's, that's, that's right, that's right. That's the end of that. Ah, oh, the BBC. Right, OK, so, look, look, I mean, you'll have your own opinion, Joe, but, uh, you know, Paul's... It's not an opinion, it's a fact. How does... Excuse me, it's not an opinion, it's a relevant question. got a, a professor before his name, so he, he, uh, he knows his onions. OK, so... He's got a professor before his name, so he knows his onions, Joe. Shut up and take your jab. Let's set that aside, right. so that the tests are... The tests are relevant. No, they're not relevant. I mean, so, so what about the risks, though? I mean, what, who is the oldest person coming round? <laughs> what 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 risks are involved in going around and seeing your family? Yes. Um, you know the the person that gave birth to you, etc. What? Yes, Joe. What, what risks are involved in that? Well, well they might get if, if they're unvaccinated, they might get very ill, and you know they will could take up a hospital bed if they're not on, on, they're on unvaccinated. And yeah, so but stop... by the same by the same stretch by the same stretch, right? You can be vaccinated and still transmit it and still get it. And you could you, take up a hospital bed falling down the stairs drunk on Christmas Day. Well, you probably wouldn't get that bed because somebody unvaccinated might be in that bed. Ah, you might fall down drunk, says Adrian Childs, on Christmas after you've had a too, ma too many shandies. But you wouldn't be given a hospital bed because some dirty unvaccinated person might be in the bed. Now that takes me back to one of our favourite clips of 2021. I want you all to do that wavy thing, wave your body like in the movies when, when you go back in time. Remember Matthew? Why on earth should somebody who has refused to have it take a bed that I might need if I have a bad reaction to it? Yes. Yes, my favourite clip. Why on earth should somebody who has refused to have it take a bed that I might need if I have a bad reaction to it? Fantastic. Don't give any hospital beds to the unjabbed because I might need... A hospital bed if I have a bad reaction to the jab. And the hilarious thing, of course, about that clip was that Matthew did, in fact, have some bad reactions to his jabs. I had the vaccine. It put me in hospital for a day. But I haven't moaned. I've had the second one. And it put me in hospital for another day. But I'd much rather have that than COVID. All right, fair enough. OK, let's move, let's move on. Let's go back to Joe. Let's go back to Joe, if we can. Where were we? 
Yeah, Joe, here's the next Joe clip then. Here's Joe. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, I worked every single day. All right, and have you had, have you, have you had COVID? I don't know. I've not even had a sniffle. I've been in and out of places. I've not even worn a mask because I'm exempt from wearing a mask. Oh, I love Joe. Okay, I've so... I've been in and out of places, right. up and down this country throughout the entire thing, and I've not even had a sniffle. Not a sniffle. Very strange. Right. But Very as far as you know, but as far as you know, you might have had it and you might have given it to somebody else, albeit asymptomatically. Are you deaf, Childs? He said he's not even had the sniffles in two years. Are you deaf or stupid or both? Joe? I don't I don't know, because if, it, if it's so deadly, like three years ago, two, three years ago, if I'd have said to you, Adrian, you're a clever bloke, right? I'm asymptomatic for having mm-hmm. the flu. You'd have looked at me like I've come from another okay. planet. Fantastic. God, I love Joe. Three years ago, if I'd said to you, Adrian... I'm asymptomatic, but I have the flu. You'd have looked at me like I was crazy. Exactly. You'd have been like, what are you talking about? Do yes. I mean, people, just go out and live your lives. Just go out and have fun, because this is not about a virus anymore. It's control. That's all it is. Control. It's control. If, right. number 10, if number 10 can do their own thing while telling everybody else to do something else, then that's good enough for me. Brilliant. Last bit from Joe. Something else is going on here, but I just really yeah. hope that, like, you know, if people yeah. stop complying with it all and wake up to it, mm. we might start seeing a bit of a change in it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, like, I know people, I'm not, look, I'm not denying that there isn't a virus. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there mm. isn't a virus. But what I'm saying is it can't be as bad. Okay. If it was as bad as all that, they wouldn't be advertising it 24-7 on every media outlet known to mankind. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have to advertise it. If you had, if you had Ebola, you'd know about it. Okay, you wouldn't take an attack. I mean that, okay. Do you know all right, I mean? okay. All right. Cheers, Joe. Um, uh, Barbara, uh, just moderating your language, if you're the kind of person who might uh, uh, choose to use industrial language. Well, Why are you telling cackling Barbara to moderate her language? This is editorialising. It's classic editorialising. Childs wants the listeners to think that Joe's a bit of a crackpot, even though Joe made more sense in two and a half minutes on the BBC than I've heard in around about 25 years of watching the BBC. But he's inviting ridicule on Joe now. Your, your thoughts? Your thoughts, Barbara? Well, I, I, all I can say is that I'm, I'm, I'm ima- everybody's imagining the number of people in hospital. I mean, this guy's obviously an idiot, isn't he? <laughs> well, um, and- well, it's Christmas, so let's... let's, let's uh, but, mm, OK, I'll give you that one. Yeah, go on. OK, I'll give you that one. The minute I heard that this morning, I reported Adrian Childs to Ofcom. Not because I'm a tittle-tattle. I don't believe in telling tales. But I also don't believe that broadcasters working for the BBC should listen to a guy called Joe who spoke in a friendly manner, expressed his opinion, talked a lot of sense. As soon as they kicked him off the air, they called him an idiot and the presenter endorsed it. We can't have that. So I complained to him. It won't get anywhere, but I did it for the crack. Barbara reckons that people like Joe are spoiling it for everyone. Go on. Well, he's... Uh, on uh, on uh, yes, from where I stand anyway, um, um, he's one of the guys who's ruining it for everybody else. If everybody had had the vaccination, I'm sure we wouldn't be in this situation. He's ruining it for everyone else, is Joe. <sighs> and it's unfortunate that um, people like him who think that uh, they're okay. uh, con- completely free of COVID and they're never going. But he is though. He's not even sneezed. They're going to catch it. And they'll never get to give it to anybody. Ah, shut up, Barbara. Shut up. Shut up. Reese, what do we say to Barbara? You daft prick.
Exactly. Exactly. You daft prick indeed. It's Christmas time. The goose is fat or something like that. Here's Wham and Last Christmas on The Richie Allen Show, live from Salford, the wonderful city of Salford. The time is coming up for 13 minutes to the top of the hour. Thanks for staying with me through the madness. You don't often see Andrew Ridgely on the television, do you, these days? Of course, he was one half of, of Wham! You don't see him, you don't hear him either. I wonder why that is. Thank you for your messages. They are legion this evening. Thank you so much for them. I, I've just read a message from Amy. Amy, I'm very sorry for you. And, and I mean that. I know I don't know you. And it might sound a bit empty and a bit hollow. But I'm genuinely sorry to hear what you're going through. Amy has uh, dropped in on the website to say that um, she suffered a bereavement. Her aunt, her aunt died over the weekend She's angry because the funeral home is being difficult and the family wants to have an open casket. The funeral home is being difficult. I hope the world blows up, says Amy. You're angry, Amy, and I don't blame you. I don't know what to tell you either. I wish I did. I don't know if it's worth getting a solicitor involved. I don't know. But listen, all the best with the funeral arrangements in any case and sorry. It's never nice to lose somebody. It's certainly not nice at this time of year. Uh, thanks for the message, Amy. It's coming up for eight minutes to the top of the hour. I- I've just got to hear this little bit of audio again. It-, it begs, it beggars belief. It's worthwhile hearing it. This is a World Health Organization spokeswoman and a medical doctor talking about the jabs and what the jabs don't do. You can't, you just couldn't have ever made any of this up. It's so bizarre. But they're not so good at stopping it from getting into your nose and staying there for a little while long enough for you to breathe on somebody else and pass it to them. Yeah, yeah, I must make sure I don't lose that little gem from Margaret Harris. Do you want to hear something else that's absolutely crazy? And if you were not listening to me, you might say, he's making this up. This cannot possibly be true. One or two of you, or more of you, may have come across this on social media. It's doing the rounds. Georgia or Georgia, Georgia or Georgia, I don't know, but it's Georgia. Georgia Clark works for the Telegraph newspaper in Australia. In Australia. Georgia, would you believe, uploaded a video to her Twitter page And listen to what she says on her video, which she made while in hospital. This is mad stuff now. So I just spent the night in hospital with chest pain. I've had chest pain for about a week. It started about a week after I got my second dose of Pfizer. Um, I'm feeling okay. The pain's being managed with medication. Um, and the doctors believe it's pericarditis, which is a very rare side effect of the Pfizer vaccine. Um, it can be treated, which is the important thing. Um, and really, I just wanted to film this message to say that even despite these side effects, I would get the vaccine again. Um, for me, it's more important that we all protect ourselves and save lives, make the sacrifices that we need to for the greater good, then, um, you know, and I think the benefits of that far outweigh any potential side effects. 
uh, particularly given the, the side effects of COVID, the long-term impacts can be disastrous. So um, I implore everyone to, to get the vaccine. Some of us might have to take it on the chin, take some of the side effects on the chin, um, most of which can be treated, but they pale in comparison to COVID and to the risks of COVID. So let's do this. Stay strong, Sydney. We can get through this. Um, we just have to do our part. Wow. Derek, anything for Georgia? Oh, shut up, you tart. She's in hospital because of chest pains. She's told by the doctors it's pericarditis caused by the vaccines and she takes it upon herself, or maybe she didn't, maybe she was encouraged, to go on the internet and implore, that was her word, everyone to go and get the jab she said, some of us are going to have to take some side effects on the chin. <laughs> but it's worth it because COVID is so terrible and you can get very badly sick with COVID. I had to triple check that was real before playing it for you today. That's Georgia, who works for The Telegraph, who said, the job effectively nearly killed me. But, but go and have it. Go and have it. That could have been me. Imagine if I hadn't become aware of the things that were happening around me in the early 2000s. Imagine that could have been me going on Twitter or going on Facebook. That's Richie Allen here. I'm in hospital. They've just taken out my spleen. And they've told me that I'm impotent. I won't ever be able to have sex ever again. They're pretty certain that it's the jabs, but you know what? I implore you to have your jabs. Have your jabs to protect yourselves and to protect everybody else. It's just bad luck that I'll never be able to have sex with a woman on a beach ever again. But uh, I would take the jab all over again if I could do it again. These are mad times. We live in. It's three minutes to the top of the hour. Not making that up, that's a genuine clip. I'm speaking to you from hospital. I've had the jab. It's absolutely fecked me right up, so it has. <laughs> it's destroyed me. But, uh, you know, have it anyway. Don't worry about it, you know, because COVID is worse than pericarditis. Sure it is, love. Sure it is. This is the Richie Allen Show. In a few minutes' time, we're going to be joined by two very interesting people. Going to take a little U-turn going to talk a little bit about healing and other things. I would like any comments, by the way, to be directed through the website richieallen.co.uk. It's comment live on the menu bar, please. You, you will have questions, I'm sure you will. You'll have comments, I'm sure you will. Do check out quantum-energy-healing.co.uk or, the, how do you say it, quantum-energy-healing.co.uk. Peter Ebden and Joe Radley, who set up Quantum Energy Healing, will join us for a chat in a few minutes' time. That will be, as I said, interesting. It'll be entertaining, but interesting and educational. And that's the most important thing. What am I going to do now? I won't do another Christmas song. No, I won't. I'll do something else. We'll stay away from the Christmas tunes. Here's something from Christopher Cross. A bit of a drive time type tune, I think. At least that's how I see it. 
Richie Allen Show, live from Stalford, is the world's most listened to independent news radio show. That's the truth, by the way. You're welcome to it. It's Tuesday, December 21st, winter solstice. And it's nice, as always, to be chatting with you. As I said, richieallen.co.uk, Comet Life, top of the page. Send me a message. Christopher Cross and Ride Like the Wind. I'm going to give uh, Peter and Joe a call in about 60 seconds' time. Before that, Joe, I think it might be Joe Boddington. Is it you, Joe? By the way, I got your email, Joe. I will be in touch. I'll be in touch over the holiday, if not before then. Uh, Joe says, Ridgely Andrew of Wham made a cameo appearance in the film Last Christmas, the one starring Amelia Clark, released last year on Netflix. I didn't see that film. The other half did, and I think she enjoyed it. I might check it out this Christmas. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. A number of you are absolutely gobsmacked to use that well-worn English colloquialism, British colloquialism, gobsmacked at the Georgia audio, the pericarditis. A number of you absolutely bewildered. It gets more bizarre day by day, some of you say. Yes, it's madness. It is utter madness. Get the jab and you come down with pericarditis. And you think it's the right thing to do to continue taking the jabs and to go on the interweb and to advise others to take the jabs. <laughs> it is a bit mad, is what it is. It is a bit mad. Shall we say hello to, to Peter and to Joe? I think we should. I'd like you to get involved, by the way, through the website richieallen.co.uk on the menu bar, comment live. It's the only way to leave a comment at the moment. If you use contact, those emails are not reaching my inbox. It is being worked on. Now, Peter Ebden is a legend. He's a former World Snooker champion. He's a gentleman. He's been on the programme a few times. He's been a brilliant guest. You know that Peter is a healer, and we've talked about him before. I'll tell you more about him, or he'll tell you more about himself as we go along. Uh, Peter is joined today by Joe Radley. Now, Joe has been a full-time therapist since the 90s. She's trained in structural integration, acupuncture and healing. She runs a practice in Staverton, Northamptonshire and teaches healing at the College of Healing in Malvern. Now, Peter and Joe set up quantum energy healing during the very first lockdown. When obviously it was difficult to see people and to meet people. So uh, they started doing distance healing together. Please check out the website quantum-energy-healing.co.uk. It's a real pleasure to welcome back Peter Ebden to the programme and to extend a warm welcome to Joe Radley. Hello, Joe. How are you, Peter? Hi. Nice to be here, Richie. Lovely Hi, to Richie. meet you, Joe. How are you doing, Peter? Lovely, oh, to, me lovely you. to meet you, Joe. And thanks to both of you for coming on today if um, you won't do this now but later on you might loads of interest on my website with, with, with some very interesting questions i'll ask you this later so keep it in your minds they've been asking me on the website have you come across people who've had adverse reactions to the jabs looking for healing park that we might come back to that a bit later on but before that i'm genuinely intrigued about distance healing how does it work and what is it? I hear about it so much from my listeners, the benefits of it. They're, in, they're, they're the greatest salespeople for it because they say to me, Richie, I've had it. It's been terrific. It's made a big difference in my life. I don't know who wants to start, but, but distance healing, what is it? Well, when you give healing, 
you're working with energy and energy crosses time and space. So when we're working, we're working with the person's energy system, whether it be through acupuncture or whether it be through healing using the aura um, and the chakras. And it doesn't really matter whether the person's there or not, if somebody is properly trained. So at the college, we have a specific way of training people to do distant healing. And we work very specifically with people, so or with their energy. So it's really important that we have full consent when we do it. Peter, do you want to come in on that? Yeah, I mean, just from what I've seen in my experience since I trained to become a professional healer, Richie, through the College of Healing in Malvern, I've seen distant healing be life-changing for people. It's absolutely life-changing in a large number of cases. And you've had um, uh, Sandy Edwards on your programme who wrote the book Healing in a Hospital, which uh, is, is a wonderful book. Amazing. Which scientifically proves what we're doing in terms of healing and distant healing. And I think you'll find from Sandy's book, and I know you've spoken to her a couple of times, lovely, lovely lady. Um, she didn't train at the College of Healing, but she trained at a similar organisation. Um, when the scientists came in to collate the information after two years of her giving healing to people in a hospital in Birmingham, the scientists discovered that the distant healing was even more powerful than the one-on-one -on -one healing, which is quite incredible. So it's actually scientifically proven now. Yeah, that's right. I've, I've got to endorse that. There's no point in me not, there's no point in me playing devil's advocate here. I, I, I endorse, I've read Sandy's book and the, the scientists and the doctors and the oncologists, they're on the record as saying, yes, this works. It, it amazed these people, these practitioners of what we call, I suppose, establishment medicine. And I've also got to say that I know of more than one really sceptical person. I mean, I used to be very sceptical about this type of thing. I'm not going to get into that because everybody knows that. I'm not anymore. But I know of people even more sceptical than me who accepted. Um, you, you, Joe mentioned consent there being really important. We might come back to that. A accepted the offer of uh, distance healing from a healer who's known to this programme and they were stunned at the difference it made in, in, in their lives. Is it, and here's the, you mentioned setting up um, quantum energy healing in, in in lockdown. So would it be fair to say that healers who have gone to the college, who have trained at the college, are they practicing distance healing more now? It might sound like a stupid question because of the way things have been, but I'm guessing they are. And are they happy about doing that, Joe? Yes, I think a lot of us are. And, and yes, we're happy doing it. Um, I've been part of um, an advanced distant healing group for over 20 years and we get cases from all around the world and often people are referred to the group as a last resort um, and I can remember a, a, a case that really sort of struck me some time ago um, we had um, a, a chap who was in hospital in a coma he'd had really bad peritonitis um, they, the doctors really didn't think he was going to make it and his wife asked if we would give him healing. And he came out of the coma within six hours of us giving healing. And even we were stunned. Um, and he recovered. But, you know, the, all you can do, it, healing's an offering. It's an offering of unconditional love and the use of universal energy. And at the end of the day, it's up to the person what they do with that. But healing can have amazing results. And most people who come for acupuncture of healing they come because they've tried everything else. 
and it still works, which is, it's just amazing. I've answered the question that I'm going to ask. I think I've answered it already because I mentioned the sceptical contact of mine acquaintance. But, but people have asked on the website because this is a, it's a lovely thing. People have asked me, they've said to me that they like to gift distance healing to somebody. So mm-hmm. to maybe get in touch with someone like yourself, Joe or Peter. But they, yeah. they've asked the great question. If the person is not open to it, is it unlikely to be beneficial to them? That's a good question. What do you think, Peter? It's, Joe, either, either or. Go ahead. Okay. Well, it's not a question of whether it would be beneficial. It would be beneficial. But because we work with the person's energy in detail, we need form, it, we need full consent or informed consent. So people must be aware of what we're doing. So although in some traditions people will say, oh, I'll just send so-and-so a little bit of healing, it'll be fine. Because we work at a, a higher and deeper level, we need full consent. So as long as we have the consent, it's fine, but we do need that. One interesting thing about that, Richie, is that if we chose to send somebody healing without their full consent, we pretty much are... We're, we're breaching spiritual law. We're breaching spiritual law, yes. And there's something in, in, in healing called the law of energetic rebound. And even though we think we're trying to do good, if we sent healing to somebody without their full consent, we would actually enable the law of energetic rebound. And that actually could and probably would come back on us in a negative way even though we thought we were trying to do good because we don't know what that person's higher self. So so can I just turn yes. this round? So I know there's been a lot of talk on your programme about vaccines and I'm, I'm fully on board with everything that's going on. So giving healing is the same as giving a vaccine. I think everybody should be, you know, should have the choice whether they want one or not, whether they consent or not. Healing's the same. You know, everybody should have an individual choice about what happens to them. And it might be that, you know, there's somebody who's got a friend who's really ill and they're really concerned about them and they want them to have healing. But we don't know if that person's life journey is about some of the learning they have from being ill. You know, we, but there's no way of us knowing that. So people have to consent. Joe, can you expand on that? That's really interesting. That's their life journey is uh, is something to do with the learning of them being ill. That's really interesting yeah. because we're going into an area here now, which I'm fascinated by, that becoming ill might have something to do with your behaviour or your your outlook or what you well, yourself put into the universe. Well, can I talk about me? Because oh, yeah. I'm always a good case study. Um, so I had a, a pretty rough time when I was a young teenager. I was raped by a gang. And later on in my life, when I was in my early 30s, I developed cancer and I was told that I would have six months to live. And what happened to me, I'd been sensitive as a child, but obviously with the rape, I'd shut down. And when I came out of hospital, I looked around. It was a really beautiful spring morning. And I thought, I'm just not ready to go. I'm not ready to leave. And I was really struck by the beauty of the world. And what happened to me is I had a... I heard a really deep voice that said to me, if you want to stay, you have to learn how to heal and your job is to heal others. And it took me five years to really start on this journey after that because it was really ill. Um, but that's been my journey ever since. 
And sometimes illness can be a remarkable turnaround for people. And we just don't know. We don't know what the plan is for their life. Right. You know, we just don't know. That's, so we, that's, that's, yeah, that's horrendous, Joe. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I've never experienced anything like that, but that's horrendous. And God love you for that happening to you, but you but got, what but, it, but you got well, through what it. it. What it's done, Richie, is it's taught me so much. You know, I've learned to help people in so many different ways and learned to work at a, a much deeper level than, than most people would ever have to. Yeah. So it's been my journey and it's been a gift. For okay. most of my life, I wouldn't have said that, but you know where I am now, it's been a real gift. It's part of what, what of, of who you are, and yeah, absolutely. Th the idea that that experience and you struggling to come to terms with it might have led to you becoming seriously ill with the cancer—that's obviously yeah. been very controversial. I remember a couple of years back, the uh, mainstream media went after Noel Edmonds for for Noel was getting unmercifully trolled by a very rude person on Twitter who said that he'd had cancer and Noel had the temerity. I thought Noel was right to, you know, to suggest to him that, you know, maybe being so angry and so vicious and bitter might have something to do with him being unwell. And they went after Noel saying that he was petty and childish. But I kind of understood where he was coming from, that not dealing with traumas and things like that can be detrimental to us and, and manifest themselves in a physical way. Peter, we, we've talked about this privately. You're fully on board with that idea. Uh, absolutely. And and it's interesting, you know, when you're talking about healers as well, um, you know, there's a, a saying in healing, healer, heal thyself. And from my experience and the people that I've met in healing in the last six or seven years of my journey, you find that most healers end up on this path because at some point they've been broken themselves. And I'm not saying this to make you emotional at Christmas, but I know that the passing of your father was a very difficult thing for you. And that played a big part in, in your own journey. Yes, absolutely. Um, I lost my dad to lung cancer in 2011, and it was just too soon for me. You know, I I was away playing snooker all the time, and, you know, we found out that my dad had lung cancer, and then he was gone six weeks later. So, you know, it was a, it was a very difficult, you know, journey for me. But it was strange, you know, when it comes to my own healing journey, I ended up becoming a healer because my own body was broken. I came over to see Joe one day and I could barely get in the car and I was in so much pain with my back especially. I know I ended up, you know, retiring from snooker with a very serious neck injury um, and I was advised to have an operation that I didn't have. But through all of the healing that I had through the College of Healing, um, especially the members of AHG1, the advanced healing group number one there, and all of the body work that I had through Joe's daughter, uh, Angela, uh, and the acupuncture through Joe and the healing and the structural integration, it's, it was just absolutely massive for me. So, you know, my body was broken and I ended up becoming a professional healer through meeting Joe and then going on the two-year healers practitioners course. And I'm very proud to say that five or six years later, I've now given almost 700 healing sessions to friends, family and other professional healers. So in my case, it really was a case of me being broken as well. But it was my body that was broken. Here's a question for both of you, because you, you spoke about how you were able to return to, to competitive snooker and do well, very well, because of your because of the help you got from the College of Healing. And Joe, now I know because I used to be that person. 
I know that you would have gone around tournaments and, you know, there would be players that you would socialise with and they would have had injuries as well. And I know that you would have said, I've, I've had healing, energy healing, and it's done amazing things for me. It's helped me get back up on my feet. And yet you would have faced a wave of scepticism. I've seen this over the years. What is it about us? What is it in our makeup that somebody tells us, somebody who's trustworthy and reputable, and they say, I've had this experience. Why then, Joe, maybe you'll come in on this. Why are we still so, not I don't mean me personally, but people in general, so reticent and so sceptical? Why do they smirk and go, oh yeah, right, Jesus, yeah. Energy healing, sure, yeah. I'd rather go to the, you know, I don't know. I'd rather go to the uh, to the specialist at the hospital. What is it about people that they roll their eyes? And I'm not trying to be negative here now, I'm not. But, but it's a fact. What is it? Um. Well, what I'd like to do first, Richie, is just go back to what you said about um, the comment about Noel Edmonds saying yeah, yeah. get cancer. When I had cancer and I was in hospital, they had a leaflet that they gave you through the NHS, which gave you a personality type of somebody that gets cancer. Now, that isn't politically correct today, but it was certainly around, you know, when I went in for treatment. And that sort of personality was somebody that holds everything inside, you know, who who doesn't speak their truth, who, you know, is a little bit sort of apprehensive of the world in a lot of ways. Now, that's not always the case, but that reading that leaflet was a real turning point for me because it really described who I was at the time. And so, you know, you ask why people are sceptical and I think it's because it's not taught no so if you, if you look at a, a doctor's training they deal with bodies that have already died you know they're not aware of energy they're not trained in energy and a lot of healers like me you know prefer to be sort of hermits to a certain extent you know we keep ourselves to ourselves and we just work away quietly so we're not good at getting out in the limelight so we don't sort of we don't sell ourselves to a certain extent. Yeah. And um, so that's difficult for people because it's not part of their life. They go to their GP and unless their GP recommends something, they tend not to do it. So, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I do get referrals from GP, but not usually for healing, usually for acupuncture, which they're just starting to accept. But, you know, I think it is a difficult concept for people and, I remember giving a talk to a group of GPs at one point and they were all kind of laughing and saying, well, what is energy? And I said, it's what goes when you die. You know, energy is what comes in when we're born. It's our, it is, you know, the, the thing that makes us us and we can work with it, which is just the most wonderful gift. It's funny you say that about doctors, because I know for a fact my, my radio career started out in the 90s and I knew quite a few doctors but they were experienced doctors coming to the end of their careers. Some of them we would use on the radio station for comment and stuff, Joe uh, and Peter. And what was amazing was back then it wasn't uncommon when doctors were struggling with people, you know, struggling to, to help people with certain pain. It wasn't uncommon for them to recommend a, a faith healer. 
that maybe the doctor would have known. And that's, I think that's the term they would have used at the time, faith healer. Because a very well-respected and very senior GP said to me one time on during my radio career, and I thought it was bizarre, again, because I was, you know, my feet were very much in the mud at the time. But the, the, the doctor said, oh, from time to time, you know, there, there's a faith healer in Tremor, which is a seaside resort in Waterford. And um, yeah, I would recommend that a patient would go and see the faith healer isn't that incredible? So the older doctors were more open to it, Peter, maybe, than, I don't know, maybe doctors today. That's that's fascinating. Loads of comments coming in. Peter, I'm going to put this to you, or to, to either of you, this comment. There are questions about jabs. We'll come to those in a moment. And maybe I interrupted Joe there. Maybe you wanted to come back on the senior doctors, did you, before I move on to the questions? No? Well, I just wanted to say that we're in a different society now. So now, you know, doctors, they can't recommend you know, anybody really, they, they have to sort of recommend within their own profession. So it's very difficult for them. Um, about 10 years ago, I knew a homeopathic doctor and she used to prescribe homeopathic remedies until she was told that she wasn't allowed to do that anymore, even though they were working for her patients. Is that right? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy in light of what Sandy Edwards discovered. I mean, this yeah. is out there for everybody to see. Isabel, well, Isabel says, I understand what Joe explained about illness being perhaps part of a soul's journey. In the universe, there is no good or bad, says Isabel. Each event in our life is an opportunity to experience whatever the experience is supposed to be, kind of good or bad. That's a really interesting comment. Peter, do you want to come in on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, life is a learning experience, isn't it? You know, I, I, I'm just thinking there when you was asking about the, the doctors, and it's very much medicine based isn't it you know with as opposed to alternative therapies which is what we're talking about um you know it's very much you know medicine and chemotherapy and radiation therapy and these things and and what i've tended to find with experience is that people that do have to go through these very serious procedures more often than not they find that their journey is much smoother and they've got much more chance of recovering if they do both the conventional treatment and the healing as well. So we work with people um, in terms of distant healing who go through cancers and those things. So, you know, we're not um, going against the normal medical um, professions, uh, you know, advice with regard to these things. Chemotherapy and radiotherapy, radiotherapy wouldn't be for me but that's just me but we've tended to find that when we work with people that have had cancers and have had distant healing from us as well um, generally their recovery has been much stronger and much quicker you're listening to peter ebden and joe radley and uh, i'd like you to check out the website do check it out quantum-energy-healing.co.uk which peter and joe set up during the first lockdown they started doing distance healing together i'll tell you what joe before we go back to more comments as a, a guy who reads the the papers every day of the week all the papers that's part of what i do i've heard many times over the years I've heard health secretaries or health ministers in England and in Ireland suggesting that they wanted to integrate complementary medicine into, you know, the NHS or the Irish Health Service. And yet it never happens, Joe. They talk about this from time to time and yet it never happens. I, I, I suppose you don't have to be a genius to, 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 to think about where that resistance might come from. It's probably coming from the pharmaceutical 
lobby. I, I'm guessing I don't know. But I'm right in saying that, aren't I, Joe, that it is something that comes up from time to time. They talk about introducing, you know, complementary uh, treatments and, and alternative um, practices alongside established practices. And yet it just goes nowhere. Well, there, there are some people that work within the NHS. Um, there are certainly acupuncturists up in uh, Manchester. They've got a mental health unit up there that I know acupuncturists have worked in for a long time. I mean, it's, you know, since before I trained, so well over 25 years. But the thing is that if you work within an organisation like that, you usually have to meet their targets. So their idea of a treatment is probably get somebody in, put some needles in if you're doing acupuncture and have them out within 15, 20 minutes. And that's not the way it works. You know, so the, the great thing about um, keeping complementary medicines more private is that you can give people time and once you're working within an organization you have to abide by what they say so there are healers of, of different types that do work within um, the NHS and also in some hospices but usually they're limited in what they can do and uh, you know although it's it's good that they're giving some care which you know is a wonderful thing to do I don't think we need to be limited. You know, I think we should be allowed to use our range of skills to help people and, and give people time. People need time to be listened to. Um, I remember uh, years and years ago when I was first practicing structural integration, there was a lady who came in who was very, very distressed. And, you know, I asked her what had been really upsetting her. And she'd just come out of prison. She'd killed her husband. And I spoke to her and, you know, sort of said how that must have been very difficult. And she told me that she'd never told any, never told her GP. And I said, why is that? And she said, well, I only get five minutes and it's taken me, takes me too long yeah. to get words out. And I actually had to call her GP for her to, to let him know, you know, you can't treat people in five minutes. You're back to the targets, Joe. You're yeah. back to the targets again. This, yeah. I mean, this is Tony Blair's legacy, isn't it? Mm. Um, targets. Yeah, I've I've experienced that myself back in January of 2020. In a really bad way, I, I went into uh, my local GP. Yeah, the, the stopwatch was started. Um, he wasn't listening. He wasn't interested in why I couldn't breathe. I mean, I was in a desperate state. and I was trying to say, look, there is no discharge on my chest or on my lungs. This is weird. Turned out later on that I found out that it was almost a bit like uh, uh, altitude sickness, which a lot of people who may or may not have had COVID were talking about. But yeah, it was a crazy experience, not really that interested and uh, was throwing prescriptions at me. You're absolutely right to, to say that. number of people have asked about near-death experiences, Peter. And uh, the fact that it seems that people who go through near-death experiences, they often come out of those um, embracing pure energy healing because of some experience they might have in that state. Now, I had a near-death experience when I was in my teens, but I don't remember very much about that. Is there any truth to that, Peter, do you think? Yeah, well, there's a very famous book, isn't there, by Anita Murjani called Dying to Be Me, um, which is a fascinating uh, story. And, and she had multiple uh, cancers, multiple tumours. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, she had almost 100 tumours in her body and she had a near-death experience and she was given the option to come back, so to speak. Um, and then she basically told her truth 
and she travels all around the world now. Um, and I think in Anita Mujani's case, she believes that her illness was caused by trying to be uh, a people pleaser, which is interesting because you're not then being genuine to your true self. So she was almost frightened to be her true self. And now she goes around the world teaching about love, you know, teaching about unconditional love. And that's something that she discovered through her near-death experience, which is exactly, in my personal opinion, and from what I've learned at the College of Healing and working with Joe, healing is about unconditional love. And that's what we do as professional healers. We channel unconditional love from source energy. It hits us first. It's not energy coming from the healer. We connect to source energy. The source energy comes through us, through our chakras, through our heart chakra, down our arms, out of our hands, and then goes into the person that we're giving healing to. And it's a magical experience and a life-changing one for so many people. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Richie, it's been truly, truly humbling being part of the College of Healing, working with Joe, sending distant healing to people. It's been absolutely life-changing. I can hear it in your voice now and when we chat privately. Um, it shines out of you. By the way, there's an, an awful lot of, not awful, there's a lot of love uh, coming out for Joe Radley and Peter Ebden on my website on the comment section there. Listeners are loving hearing this and they're fascinated by it. It's new to uh, some listeners. Thanks for your comments. Uh, Joe Radley and Peter Ebden set up quantum quantum energy healing, quantum energy healing. It's quantum-energy-healing.co.uk. Joe, let's talk about these jabs because we're getting a lot of comments and questions about them. Not expecting you now to, you know, to know all about the jabs and the makeup of the jabs. But I suppose what people are asking is, are and have you paired, and I don't know how much you can say here, but, but that's up to you entirely, of course. I won't put any pressure on you or Peter. But adverse reactions to COVID jabs. And if so, um, what, if anything, can pure energy healing do uh, there just very quickly, I will say that uh, an energy healer who's a, a very good friend of mine and well known to the program, uh, Mark Boyerski, said to me from Spain some months ago that he was concerned at things he was hearing about it being difficult to work with, possibly with people who have had some of these jabs. I don't know if you've heard any of that. The jabs, Joe, and 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 injuries and and working on on those. Have you had any experience thus, thus far? Yeah, we've had quite a lot of experience. So, I mean, it's not for me to say whether people should or shouldn't have the vaccines. That's purely a personal choice. What we've seen with some people who have come to us for healing and some of my own patients who I've been treating for 20 odd years, so I know them really well, is that in some cases, and this is only in some cases, it's not in every case, where the person has... Um, a strong connection to their spiritual self, it's almost as if there's um, there's damage or burning at that level. And so often they feel very disconnected, they feel very ungrounded. And luckily with healing, we're able to work with things like that, providing the healer can reach that level. And since I've mentioned that to some of my colleagues, we've all started to look for that uh, when we see people for, for healing, if they have become unwell you know, after the, the jabs or the booster. And, you know, it does seem to be something that's coming up quite a lot. Now, 
I don't know why that is, Richie. You know, I, I really have no idea. But that doesn't seem to happen with normal vaccinations. It's not something I've ever seen before. And what I have noticed over the sort of 20 plus years I've been treating people is that the viruses have changed. They started to affect people's pericardium, the area around their heart, which I would treat normally with acupuncture in clinic, but obviously we can treat that with healing as well. And it's interesting that now, you know, there have been lots of reports of people with myocarditis um, as a result of the vaccine. So, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of what people have said. You know, I've been down the rabbit hole. I, you know, I know the possibility of what's going on, but obviously I don't have the answers. But for me, this, you know, the COVID virus hasn't been behaving like a normal virus. And I think that's been concerning. And also, for me, some of the vaccines have been concerning. Um you know, it's a choice of what people do with their bodies. Everybody should have the, the, the opportunity to make that choice. Um, it's certainly not something I would do personally, and I know Peter feels the same. It's horrifying, <laughs> isn't it? Just just before Peter comes back in, I know Peter's going to come right back in, but what you've said there, forget about what anybody thinks of the jabs, and I don't mean that in terms of what you've said. I agree with you, by the way. But park that to one side. We're We're in a situation now where governments believe they have the power to maybe I shouldn't say destroy but to make people's lives unlivable if they don't do what they're told and take what what amounts to experimental unproven and potentially very dangerous medicines did you ever think Joe did you ever think we'd be here in late 2021 that people would be threatened with their jobs and their livelihoods if they didn't take medicines no I didn't but um my father was Polish and during the Second World War, he was captured and put in a Russian gulag or concentration camp. Um, and they were used to build the Siberian Railway. And he was there for three years and then escaped and walked out of Siberia in the winter. And he went on to fight for freedom. So there's no way that I'm going to be giving up my freedom. And I know a lot of people feel the same. You know, I feel I have a right to decide what happens to my own body. Um and it doesn't really matter what government says, you know, that we have to do X, Y and Z. It's just not going to be happening. And I know a lot of people feel the same. But the, the thing for me that's really important with this is that, you know, I see this sort of as a battle on an energetic level of almost having two bands of energy moving around the planet. One, you know, of lightness and love and the other of this dark energy. And what the darker energy wants us to do is either get caught in fear or anger. And they're the two traps. And if we can find ways of staying out of that, coming from a place of lightness and love, you know, caring about the people around us, building good communities, then the darkness can't win because love is always stronger. It's beautiful, that, Joe. At this time of the year, it's beautiful. It's, uh, yeah, there's a disconnect. Yeah, I'm not going to go down that bloody road because I'd be here all day. But we, we in, in our towns and villages, in our streets, in our housing estates, we've we've become completely disconnected. We, we don't know too much about the people who live around us. I don't mean in a nosy way, but we don't know their their husbands, their wives, what they do for a living, what their children do. And we used to. I grew up in Ballybeg in Waterford. 
everyone knew everyone. Everyone looked after everyone else's children. Everybody did things together. We don't do that anymore, Peter. That's deliberate, Peter, isn't it? That's that's a wedge that's been driven between us. It, it, it is, Richie. I mean, for, for me personally, I absolutely agree with everything that Joe has said there. What this whole situation has done for me over the last couple of years, it has exposed people that are not from the light. And these people are very easy to see. Um, I, I shared something on Twitter almost a month ago, um, which I've got twin, uh, pinned on my Twitter account. And I said, globally, this doesn't end until all totalitarian governments are removed. They constantly abuse their lent powers and it's now blatantly obvious that the whole system is corrupt, is not fit for purpose and needs replacing with one that respects personal, personal sovereignty. And the reason why I say that, echoing what Joe said earlier, is that when it comes to these experimental vaccines, and they are experimental vaccines, for example, there's no long-term safety data whatsoever, it's a personal choice. Now, if somebody wants to take an experimental vaccine, that's fine. I don't have an issue with that at all. But we're seeing what's happening in Europe, whereby people are now not allowed into public spaces in certain countries like Austria and Germany unless they've been vaccinated. That cannot possibly be right. That is wrong on every single level. My honest opinion is that the people that are pushing this agenda are absolutely 100% not from the light. Are you optimistic, Joe? I, I obviously echo, not, not from a healing point of view or a healer point of view, but from, you know, from a person's point of view, I agree with, with Peter. Is there hope for us? I think more and more people are waking up, Richie. And, you know, the, the, the more of us that wake up, we, we're like sort of little points of brightness on the planet. And those little points of brightness or, or sort of healing light, if you like, you know, gradually are spreading. People are getting together and understanding more. And even people who have been vaccinated, who have been very pro-vaccines, you know, that just within my practice, they're starting to say, do you know, I'm not sure I'd have another one or I'm not sure I'd have another booster because I haven't felt well or whatever. And there are some people who are really scared. And I really understand that. Some of my older patients who are in their 80s, they've been really scared by this. And I think it's unforgivable that the the governments have, you know, put out through the media this horrendous fear campaign, because mostly people aren't that unwell with it. There are some people who are unwell, um, and some people are really unwell. But you know, I think we just need to be reasonable about this, you know, and and understand that you know people have different immune systems. But why aren't we promoting health? You know, why aren't we promoting vitamin D, getting out in the sunlight? You know, as you said on your website, you know, Christmas is a time of getting together with people you love and sharing and caring and feeling the endorphins that get released from that. Not, It's not about being isolated. And, it, and that deliberate campaign, I think, is dreadful. But I think people are turning against it. You know, there are more and more people at the rallies. You know, so it will change. I'm sure it will change. And love will always win. But the thing is, it's getting people to remember to change their, their vibration or to change their feeling. We all get caught up into this. 
and we all you know care and we all get angry about it or we get fearful about it and that's okay for an hour or so but then we have to stop and come back to something that feels good you know come back to something we really care about you know whether it's a person or a pet or a passion it doesn't matter and change our vibration so we're coming from this pure heartfelt place because then we change the vibration of the planet you're listening to Joe Radley and Peter Ebden, they set up Quantum Energy Healing in the first lockdown. The website you should check out is quantum-energy-healing.co.uk. There's some lovely comments on the website. This one from Mama Jane. Jane says, I had my first healing in the first lockdown. It was life-changing for dealing with my grief for my mother. I have since returned a couple of times and it's hard to explain the experience powerful says Jane the more I've been the more I've got from it as I've learned to let go that's that's a fantastic message and Jane asks I think this is for you Peter what's the book you mentioned please because I have a friend whose niece is very unwell with a rare condition they can't find medical relief for maybe she's not ready for it she's too young but the book uh, might 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 go some way what was that book you mentioned are we talking about Sandy Edwards book it might be, yeah. And then you mentioned another book, didn't you? Yeah, Sandy Edwards' book is Healing in a Hospital. Yeah, which is, I've got a copy of that. It's absolutely brilliant. And what was the book you mentioned about the lady who had had cancers? Oh, sorry, that was Anita Murjani. So it's um, A-N-I-T-A, Anita. And then Murjani is M-O-O-R-J-A-N-I. Uh, and the book title is Dying to Be Me. Dying to be me. Patrick says, Joe. Dying to be me by Anita Mujani. And it's about the near-death experience. Absolutely wonderful, wonderful book. I think my better half might have that book, based on your recommendation previously. So if she does, I'll definitely read it. I definitely will. Patrick says, Richie, I think we're going through the great revealing, partially covered by the book of revelations says patrick and people like joe and peter will be in great demand when we get through the madness and the evil consciousness that is exhibited by the satanic cabal and its minions that you'll be in great demand people like yourself and peter uh, joe i say this not to be in any way disrespectful at all i'm not somebody who practices any religion i'm more open-minded now than i used to be i think i'm agnostic now where i used to be kind of atheist but if jesus existed joe this is not to be flippant, and I'm sure this has been said before anyway. It's no great revelation. But Jesus must have been an energy healer. Of course. Yeah, it's as simple as that, right? I mean, I, I remember my, my Bible. I remember going to Catholic masses and learning about the miracles performed by Jesus healing the sick. Must must have been energetic healing. Not only was he the master healer, he had complete control over the elemental energies of earth, fire, air and water. And you know, it's funny because in my experience, it's the churches that have been most condemning of, 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 of energy healing and healers. So there's a great irony there somewhere. You know, it's priests that will say, oh, stay away from all that hocus pocus. It is priests. I remember priests saying this on radio shows years ago. So there's a great irony there because I think, yeah, if Jesus was on earth at one time or another, and he may well have been, well, he was obviously an energy healer. So the priests and they need to wise up to that maybe i don't know maybe they maybe they do joe i think the the thing with that is that there's a difference um between how healers can be perceived so 
in a lot of the religions, in a lot of the religions, they say all healing comes from God. So it depends what you perceive God to be. So if you perceive God to be an energy that overlights the universe and you call that energy in when you do healing, it's the same thing. And I think it just depends on your belief system as to what you consider to be um, a universal energy or universal love or God. So, I mean, I remember walking into um, a church. I actually walked into the wrong church in the middle of a service and I watched the, the minister bring in some energy when she was doing some blessings. And the energy was beautifully clear and bright. It was wonderful. Um, it wasn't the place that I was hoping to be. I got the, the wrong church and the wrong religion, which was quite interesting. But for me, that little bit of learning was about the energy that comes in. And so if you're working with healing, you, you, if you say, for example, your, your patient or your client was very religious, you could ask for the energy to come of Jesus to come through and that they would find that very acceptable. For some people, it wouldn't be acceptable, but at the highest level, it's all universal love. And then it splits into different branches which you can use or different vibrations that you can use. So it's all about our, um, our beliefs and our perceptions, really. Can I ask both of you a question, not to, to, to kind of stick with the religious theme in the time we have left, but um, did, before your healing journeys, did you believe that we are fated uh, to, to do things, that our, our paths are predetermined? Did you think or believe that before your healing journey? Uh, do you believe it now or, or do you not believe it? My greater half um, is convinced that we're on some predetermined path that we always kind of, we might stumble away from it. But energetically, we end up finding it again. I'll ask that to both of you. Peter, first. I think we learn things from our different lifetimes. I believe that we are eternal souls living in a physical body for a very short period of time. And I do believe that there is an ultimate goal for our, our life force or our soul or our soul's energy. And I do believe that we learn things during this lifetime. And sometimes it may take many lifetimes for us to achieve our ultimate aim on our soul journey. Um, and one of the things that I've learned um, through uh, becoming a professional healer through the College of Healing is that most, if not all, of the healers that I've come into contact with all believe that we've led past lives and very often, and very interestingly, and this has been written about in many books, we often incarnate into the same soul groups. So, for example, healers might end up coming together at different periods of their lifetime, and they may well have known each other in previous lifetimes. I know that that might be a big leap for a lot of people to contend with, but generally you find that most healers do believe that, Richie. Well, I, I certainly wouldn't... Um kind of poo-poo that or or dismiss that why not you're not the first person to say that to me joe that's you, you can you can come in on that joe of course you can say what you want but on that idea that there, there are you know th there's a pathway for us and that it's uh it, it's a universally chosen one and that we're, we're we're kind of always going to be on it regardless of what we do what do you think i, I think that i think that there are options 
I never wanted to be a healer. It was the last thing on my mind. And all the way, even as far as training as a healer, I was the reluctant healer. It's no, no, it can't be me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to put myself out there. And, you know, it, it was what I had to do to get well. And so I said to Peter just before uh, we came on your show that I was really surprised that I wasn't really, really nervous because if I'd been asked to do this five years ago, I would have been petrified. I said, no, I can't possibly speak on a radio show. You know, it's just yeah. not going to happen. Um, but it's actually good to be here and good to share some information and hopefully, hopefully make a few people feel better. Well, that's that's beyond any doubt because you've only got to look at the comments on the website and if you look, I, I hope I'll be inviting, well, I know I'll be inviting you back again. I mean, I hope you'll uh, come back on again. I wanted, I spoke to Sandy about this. Would you believe this? If, if Sandy ends up hearing any of this, she'll smile. I work alone and, and I get bogged down. I, I, I had wanted to do a show once with um, people like yourself and Peter and Sandy and I wanted to bring Mark in. I think it would have been an amazing thing to, to do a whole show about the issues around uh, healing and, and look, maybe we can do that in uh, in the new year. We've got about three or four minutes left so I don't want to take them up by, by talking. If there's anything you wanted to say, both of you, that maybe we haven't said yet before you do that and take the last few minutes, it's... Um, Important for me to mention, you're listening to Joe Radley, by the way, and Peter Ebden. They set up quantum energy healing during the first lockdown. Go to quantum-energy-healing.co.uk and check uh, them out. Uh, lovely website, lovely, neat and tidy. Lots of information there about Peter and Joe and what it is uh, they do. So I suppose the floor is yours now for three minutes, if there's anything you'd like to say before uh, before we, um, we we part company today. Yeah, I'd like to say something, Richie, and that's if people want to change their lives, what they have to do is change how they feel. And it's not about saying affirmations or anything like that. It's about doing things you're passionate about. And if you're having a really bad time and you're struggling with debt and you know having a lot going on in your life, just find one thing that you can do for a few minutes that you love, even if it's stroking a dog or you know, being with somebody you love, talking to a friend, anything. If you can just get out of that feeling bad place and move into somewhere where you feel good, your life will start changing and improving. And that's so important. Fantastic, Peter. Yeah, I mean, I would like to echo Joe's sentiments and go back to the healing journey. Um, I had never even considered healing. And after playing snooker for 35 years, I believe partly anyway in this lifetime, in this this incarnation, that actually prepared me to become a professional healer. So all of the things that I learned in my professional snooker career with the psychology and the motivation and the strength of character and the will and, and the real gladiatorial person that I developed into because I needed to, I brought all of that into my healing. So now I'm, I'm, I think it would be fair to say, Joe, wouldn't it, that one of the things that I'm good at is protection. So, you know, I can get into a very, very yang place. I do protection for other healers. And I just feel that all of the things that I learned in my professional snooker career have prepared me to become a professional healer. And it, honestly, it's a really, really humbling experience. We're going through a very, very difficult time at this present moment in time. And 
nobody really knows just how difficult our each and individual journeys are. But I promise you, there is great light coming to this planet. The dark, the dark, and great love, and great love, absolutely. Great love for everybody. Great love and great light for everybody. And the darkness has exposed itself like never before. And we can see that happen all around the world, in governments, etc. You know the score. You've been living it like we all have for the last 18 months. This isn't the Great Reset. This is the Great Awakening. It really is. Can I thank both of you very much for coming on the programme? And I, everything I say is sincere, regardless of whether it's the right thing to say or not. At least I mean it. I'm delighted to have met you, Joe. Thanks for giving us your time uh, this thank evening. You. No, I really have done. It's been terrific having you on. And, and Peter has been on before, and we'll, we'll hear from Peter again, the great world snooker champion himself. Go to quantum-energy-healing.co.uk. Lovely comments on the website and other questions which are interesting, which we might pick up in the new year. Merry Christmas, Peter and Joe, and thanks again for your time today. Take care, Richie. Take care, Richie. Love to everybody. And bye for now. The lovely Joe Radley and Peter Ebden, who set up who set up quantum energy healing back in the first lockdown. Lovely to have them on the programme today. And thanks to you for your calls, excuse me, your messages, uh, which um, many of them came in and other questions I've just seen there. I will, I promise, uh, invite Joe and Peter back on again in the new year and we can do it again. Thanks to them again. Now, the Freds. Richard and Fred Fairbrass will be on with me tomorrow for a 45 to 50 minutes chat. Uh, it'll be uh, uplifting and, and funny and uh, I can't wait for that. They've been on before, of course, and it's been brilliant to have them on. Great to have them back tomorrow. You and I are going to chat on Thursday. What I'll do is I'll, I won't do a monologue on Thursday. I'll open the programme. I think what I'll do is I'll open the programme. I'll say a couple of quick words, if there's anything to say, for a couple of minutes. I will play a Christmas tune, and then I will open the phone and Skype, and anybody can come on. It doesn't matter if you've been on recently, and we'll chat. And it doesn't have to be about what's been going on. We can reminisce about Christmases of yesteryear. We can chat about people that we knew, that we knew fondly maybe. We can remember people. We can just have a love fest for two hours, you and me, this coming Thursday. That's the 23rd. So that will be the last Richie Allen show of 2021. But I've got to say again, I will of course be with you on... On Christmas Day for Christmas Morning Melodies, which uh, I did last year and I'm looking forward to doing again this year. Thanks again to Peter and to Joe. I should say to Joe and to Peter, to be politically correct. Uh, Quantum-energy-healing.co.uk. Check them out. Thanks to them. Thanks to you. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. And I bloody played that earlier on. You dipstick, Richie. I didn't mean to do that. I meant to do this instead. That's the one. Gina made me think of this. See you tomorrow. Bye. There was